is the Screamin' Neemans on Blaze Radio. It's Feast Week, everyone, and we're not skipping any days. It's Screamin' Neemans once again here on the podcast. We're bringing you episode six. Man, can't believe we've already made six episodes. I'm glad to bring you another edition here on the podcast. And what a week it was in the NFL. Lots of great games and contenders like we have seen in the NFC have begun to fall off. The Eagles suffered their first loss on Monday Night Football against the Commanders just a couple weeks ago. And then we saw the Vikings fall to the Cowboys in a very hefty loss. 38-3 to was the final there. And really, it's just making me start to question the legitimacy of the NFC in comparison to their counterparts, the AFC. And I, I'm just curious, halfway through this season, how we should evaluate these two conferences and in terms of their ability to have Super Bowl contenders and which conference overall is stronger. Yeah, and you know this is this is the point a turning point I think in the in the NFC we saw that we saw the Eagles like you mentioned fall last week and I think that that might be a sign of maybe a little you know an instability starting in Philadelphia I don't you know don't want to overreact but you know one loss can lead to another and we and we saw you know uh, you know a few close calls and you know I think that. With the Eagles, you know, possibly fading, uh, I think the more legitimate contenders at this point might be in the AFC, just for the fact that they have the Bills and the Chiefs, and I think that those might be the two best teams in the NFL. Um, the NFC right now might have more widespread, uh, you know, a, a wider margin of um, contenders as far as records go, but I think if we're looking at teams that are going to go down and compete for a Super Bowl, right now I like the Chiefs and the Bills, and they're both in the AFC. And if you just look at the AFC in terms of their quarterbacks compared to the NFC, the top quarterbacks in the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, among others. And then you compare that to the NFC, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, and I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. Yeah, Tom Brady, but it's it's like – they're, they're not as many high-caliber quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford, yeah, but they've been having down years. Yeah. And whereas the quarterbacks in the AFC are having the best seasons they've had um, of their careers, arguably. Um, and so just taking it for that and looking at the three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, I think are, are all in the same conference in Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua Tagovailoa. And yes, the NFC may have two teams with better records, and but I, I feel like their strength of schedule has been weaker. And the AFC, I think, is more well-rounded in that respect. And I think there's a lot more different teams. I mean, you take the AFC East alone and put it up against some of the top contenders in the NFC. So that's just one division from the AFC against the top contenders from all the divisions in the NFC. And I think you get a pretty good matchup there. So... Um, I definitely think in agreement with you that the AFC is stronger thus far, and it's definitely been disappointing to just see some of these early season projections and early season hopes of these NFC teams kind of fall off. Yeah, and you know, even shout out to like the Ravens. They're coming on here a four game win streak. They're at seven and three. You got the Titans coming on a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I think that the AFC teams are getting hot at the right time, and I, I think you know the cream of the crop starts to rise and. You know, as far as the the NFC, you know, a lot of teams like the Vikings, you know, the Eagles, yes, they have great records, but 
you know, I think a lot of questions are still lingering how they're going to fare in, in, in the in the you know deeper waters towards the end of the season in the playoffs. And I think that the teams that are more seasoned right now, and as you mentioned, at the core have a better quarterback are in the AFC. So I'll agree with you on that one. Where I will give the NFC credit is on my Hail Mary take today. Switching it up a little bit from just the team. And I'm talking about these incredible quarterbacks that we started at the start of the show off of with Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa, Josh Allen. All these guys are among the top candidates for the NFL MVP. But a guy that's been going under the radar, who's not been getting or given his flowers, rather, is Geno Smith. Look, he has a chance to not only win MVP, but also Comeback Player of the Year. Because really, if you just look at Comeback Player of the Year, there's no really criteria for it or really is there any for any of the NFL awards they kind of just are kind of fan popular voted so to say but for a team that was supposed to be in a rebuilding year the Seahawks and they were viewed as crazy for not trying to go out and get Jimmy G and now the 49ers look like geniuses for keeping Jimmy G Geno Smith has come in and exceeded all expectations he's not only has the Seahawks in first place in the competitive NFC West division consisting of the 49ers and the defending champion uh, Los Angeles Rams. He still has the uh, Seahawks one win away from tying their win total from last season with seven games to go left in the season, so he is sure to exceed that. He's top five in QBR, top six in touchdowns with 17, and interceptions with just four. He's also currently seventh in passing yards with 2,474. But where he really makes this MVP race interesting is when it comes to his completion percentage. Through his first four games this season, Smith's completion percentage of 77.3% was better than any other quarterback has ever posted of a minimum of 125 pass attempts in the history of the National Football League. We're talking about Joe Montana. We're talking about Dan Marino. We're talking about all the greats. Brett Favre, you name it. Tom Brady. Gino was better through the first four games of the season. And he's only dipped down to a slightly worse 72.8% uh, completion rate so far as he's progressed through the season, and that still leads the NFL. I mean, you even listen to Dan Orlovsky, and I'm not saying listen to everything Dan Orlovsky <laughs> says, but he said that there is no quarterback that has more perfect throws than Geno Smith. I think he, he he's a kind of a dark horse to win MVP, and I, I, I would like to see him start being in that conversation a little more. I love it. Yeah, I, I think he definitely deserves, uh, deserves a lot more respect than he's getting. And, and when you look at Geno Smith, I mean, uh, you know, imagine, a, uh, you know, a few years back, um, you know, if we just imagined a world talking about Geno Smith, even, you know, on even in the MVP conversation slightly, you would have thought we were crazy. You know, he's a guy that's just been a journeyman. He's out of West Virginia. He's 32, and he's really finally just getting his crack at having, you know, his team uh, and ha run his offense. And, you know, where I saw Geno Smith just, it was the last year in that, that primetime game. I want to say it was a Sunday or Monday night. Uh, Russell Wilson goes out with a finger injury. Geno Smith comes in, and I could tell that 
he had definitely a, a tempo and, and he knew how to run an offense fluidly and I think that's what he's continued into this year I think he found some success uh, in, in spotty situations last year and it's just surprising a lot of people but Geno Smith I mean credit to him just betting on himself and really staying the course because there's a lot of guys who have been in the same position that he has been you know failed on on one team and, and then go to you know pass around to other teams and, and not really do much but you know I got to credit him for, for staying the course and, and really making things happen and that Seahawks team I mean we're getting to a point in in the, the season where they're possibly you know to win the division under Geno Smith I mean who thought that coming into the season that the Seahawks had a shot at it not only just Geno Smith being in the MVP conversation I mean it's it's incredible and I can only hope that he continues this play all season long because he's been very fun to watch staying on the topic of NFC West quarterbacks playing well it'll be one guy kicking off our Neiman's notable segment Jimmy G man 20 of 29 for 228 yards and four touchdowns and no INTs in the 49ers 39-10 win over the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City. Man, I, I feel like Jimmy G, he's been not been given his respect and because of his interception problems. And he goes out and has a performance like that in a primetime game in a new environment like Mexico City that is bringing great market to the NFL. What a way to make a statement about, about and kind of shy away the haters. Yeah, and just looking at the 49ers and the way that Jimmy G played this uh, this past Monday, it's almost like, you, you know, you make yourself think, are, are the 49ers Super Bowl contenders if Jimmy G's playing like this? And, heck, I think they might be. If he's able to, you know, put on performances like this, I think that he's puts his, his team in a very good position. But, yeah, you may, I mean, just great, great performance by him, especially at a neutral site. You know, we see quarterbacks go overseas, go to, you know, games in Mexico City. You don't know how they're going to play just because it's a different environment. But Jimmy G comes in, performs well, and absolutely routes the local Arizona Cardinals. While the local Arizona Cardinals did not achieve the victory in Mexico City, one of the Arizona natives did achieve quite a marvelous victory in his own regard, Spencer Rattler, who's kind of gone up and down, had a roller coaster ride. He went to Oklahoma, didn't get the starting job there, but he transferred over to South Carolina and finally had his big game-changing, probably career-altering moment in which he took down Tennessee, the Volunteers, still with CFP aspirations, in dominant fashion, 63-38. to It was a blowout thanks to his six touchdowns on 438 passing yards. Man, it's so good to see him have a good performance. I've been rooting for him to find some success considering all the hype he had coming out of high school and um, coming out of Pinnacle, one of the top programs here in Arizona. And uh, what, what a great day. And uh, I think he was waiting for this moment. It was only a matter of time. Yeah, and, you know, when he made the move to South Carolina, I wasn't a, a huge fan of it just due to all the hype he had out of, out of high school, and then he was put into a really good program, really a quarterback factory in Oklahoma, and then he decides to transfer out and go to a school that flies under the radar as far as college football in uh, South Carolina. But I think he, he knew what he was doing because he knew that he would have a shot at, at taking down a, a big SEC juggernaut, and that's what he did on Saturday night. Good performance. I mean, you know, you got to give it to them. The, the the point total shows you that that offense was firing on all cylinders. It's not something you can say they just won the game because Hendon Hooker went down because that offense of South Carolina was producing all night long and they put up the points and just had a really, really good performance. And Spencer Rattler looked like the, the Spencer Rattler that I know from, from high school and, you know, watching him, uh, you know, just, just clips on Instagram and whatnot. Just a good performance by him. When you're on, you're on. And that stands true for Anthony Davis, who has been on a 
fire lately, and especially last night at the game that Edward went to here in downtown Phoenix between the Suns and the Lakers. Despite the Lakers coming up short, AD, 37 points, 21 rebounds, 5 steals, and 5 blocks. Since blocks and steals became an official stat in 1973, Davis is the only player who has put up such numbers. And it doesn't wasn't just like a breakout performance then. He's been doing well over the past week, week and a half. He's had 30-plus points, 15-plus rebounds in four straight games, which puts him in company of Shaq and Elgin Baylor as the only such players to do that in franchise history. Yeah, and this past uh, last night was was the night that that you know the doubters were saying Anthony Davis was finally gonna you know maybe we falter a little bit, but hey, he put up a heck of a performance and just really dominating with with LeBron being out. I think that's the elephant in the room is you know LeBron is out, he's injured, but Anthony Davis just the way that he's been playing, he's been real physical down low. Uh, the rebounds kept the Lakers in the game last night. Really, I mean, and the, the Lakers were in that game you know, really until the midway point in the fourth quarter. And Anthony Davis just, just you know, controlling the glass. Um, the second chance points that he was putting up was fantastic. And, you know, it's when you have a player like LeBron James out, that takes a lot of your ball movement out of the game because LeBron James is a facilitator of that offense. But when you have Anthony Davis down low, uh, I, I will mention too, fighting through traffic. They were the, the Suns were trying to wear him down all night long. They were doing everything they could to try to shut him down, but they couldn't. And Anthony Davis is is playing how you know we remembered them back when the Lakers made their championship run. Um, I think the only thing now is how is this going to fit when LeBron comes back? Uh, what what is his scoring totals going to look like? Is he going to be able to continue the rebounds? And if he if he is, and LeBron James comes back and plays the way that we know LeBron James to play like, I think that this Lakers team can start to start to rack up some wins and maybe uh, you know get their season back on track a little bit. 